Hello, you lovely people. I'm Sam. She's Paige. Hey. Hey, What's up? And with the power of dumbassery, we are M-Cubed, or M3, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem. With our squirrely, chaotic energy, we love to do research on cases that make you laugh, cry, and of course, make you go full T-Rex. You know, the level of uncomfortable that makes your arms retract and head attempt to be one with your shoulders. And obviously, the only vocalization is, RAAAAH! <laughs> <laughs> Find us on all the major podcast platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us in our dumbassery every Thursday! Seriously, come join us. I'm assuming you love the Live, Laugh, Murder podcast as much as we do. I mean, what's not to love about getting to be interactive with each episode? And if you haven't been to their Insta, you should. It's lit. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And this is Live, Laugh, Murder. Why do you always laugh at me? I don't know. I love it. Joanna, how was your drive to Michigan? Oh, it was it was nice. Actually, I drove to Georgia first, then to Michigan, then to Tennessee, then to Georgia, and then back to Florida. It was wow. a long, long drive with a toddler. With a toddler, I'm but proud we of you. survived. I'm very proud of you. Thank okay, you. so this is our tenth episode. Ooh, I know. We should have got like a little like poppers. I could pop you in the face. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so you guys just heard a trailer from one of my favorite newer podcasts, M Cubed, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem. Go check out their dumbassery, <laughs> as they put it. Okay. And it's, it's like hilarious. No, I know. They had an episode recently, and it's just titled Dumbassery. And um, stop looking around the room. <laughs> and um, they had a Florida man story on their thing. And they just tell stories of like people doing crazy shit. Really? I it love was really it. funny. So they're awesome. Shit Moms Unite. That's again, I'm not insulting them. Okay. <laughs> okay, if you know, you know. So welcome to Live Laugh Murder, where I, Carmen, tell my amazing co-host a story, mm. and she has to determine if it is true crime or the plot of a movie. Why does this work, Joanna? Because I don't watch scary things with murder and Things like that. I kind of started watching like Dateline stuff because it's so interesting, but it's very like, it's not scary. Like they just give you the facts. There's no like, you know, they just give you the story. Yeah. So that's just a quick reminder of what we do here. Um, just in case you're new, I personally have always been into things that are slightly on the creepy side. And I also became obsessed with true crime podcasts in 2020 and I haven't stopped. Hmm. That's when I began. Um, but the movies, I think it started back when I started watching Freddy Krueger in elementary school. <laughs> See, I was not allowed to watch that stuff. I was far too young to be watching Jason and Freddy movies. But 
whatever. It led us to where we are now. So it equals literal gold between us. Don't mm-hmm. look at my computer. I'm not. I, you say that all the time, and I'm never looking at it. Before we get to our story today, I want to thank our Patreons. So just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys rock, and I hope you're enjoying the stickers that we sent you. And if you are on Patreon and have not received one of them, please message me through the Patreon app. It'll shoot me an email, and I will get your Live, Laugh, Murder stickers out to you. And they're so cute. They're so cute. I want to put them around my town. Yes. People listening. I just ordered holographic ones, too. Oh, you should put some, like, downtown, like, on your, like, do people do that? I think so. I've just, uh, I've started keeping one in my wallet, and, like, if I see a place to stick it, I'll just stick it. Do it. So, I like it. All right, Joanna, I remember on our last episode, you told me to give me an update on your Florida woman story. The woman who was twerking in McDonald's. (laughs) She was twerking on her way out, yes. She twerked on the way out. Okay, go. So, uh, the lawyer speaks out, and this is from what the lawyer had to say about what Grady um, said about her. Okay. So it says the defense attorney for a woman accused of throwing cups at McDonald's and creating a disturbance at the Lakeland McDonald's is pushing back at Polk County Sheriff uh, Grady Judd, sorry, Mm -hmm. after the news conference and surveillance video uh, went viral. Sheriff Grady attacked one of my clients and threw an underage minor in harm's way said the the lawyer, the attorney. I doubt that that happened. Uh-uh. The incident happened a week ago. The release from the sheriff says Jones hit a plastic sign toward the employee, then threw several bottles, then walked behind the counter and threw cups on the floor at an employee. <laughs> the entire incident lasted 10 minutes before she was convinced to leave. Wow. Jeremy is the lawyer. Uh, said Judge Judd, sorry, mocked the client's mental illness. Oh. By calling her two fries short of a happy meal. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy says 22-year-old Tianis Jones has bipolar disorder and has been off her meds because she's pregnant. He says Uh she has been stressed with her pregnancy and supporting her family. Jeremy Hmm. called Judd's comments unprofessional, which he said would taint the jury pool if this goes viral. Jeremy says that while some see Polk Sheriff as the class clown, he sees Judd as dangerous to the judicial system. Hmm. Basically, they're saying that she has mental illness and that Judd's comments were inappropriate. I feel like people with bipolar, um, what is it called, BPD, bipolar personality disorder, would be offended by that, by her actions. Mm-hmm. Because does she really have it or do people go to that as a default? Like, oh, I acted crazy because... I mean, she might, she but... Might. That, but you're a grown adult. I don't think that that excuses someone with true bipolar personality disorder, I don't think is going to go to McDonald's, throw cups around, and then twerk yeah. on their way out. It said it was, she waited about 10 to 15 minutes for her food. <laughs> and that's why she was pissed? Yeah. Well, I don't like it. I don't like her. She's too no. fry short of a Happy Meal. <laughs> If you ask me, she's an unhappy meal. A very unhappy meal. So our last episode was pretty rough. Yes. So I decided to lighten it up for you. As promised. Are you ready? How can you make a murder light? Are you ready for a story today? I'm ready. You can make it lighter if it took place a really long time ago. Oh, okay. So that's... So so then you don't have to worry. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Imagine the date. April 18th, 1943. Okay. Where were you? 43? 43. Probably living my life somewhere else. 
Oh. Germany, maybe? Reincarnation. Yeah. Why Germany of I all don't places? Know. Well, if you were a group of young boys on a Sunday in the countryside of England, what would, what would you be doing? 1943, not yeah. much. Just a bunch of Looking couple Looking at boys. rocks. Yeah, right? The Trees. boys, in this case, are out rabbit hunting or bird poaching in the woods. So they're out just okay. playing in the woods. Hitting sticks. Yeah, all that stuff. Maybe a little bit of both. How old are the boys? Sorry. Like elementary, later okay. elementary age. Okay. They decide, through their little day of adventure, to take a shortcut through the woods. While on their journey, they come across a strange-looking tree. It's old. It's creepy-looking. It has massive branches going in all directions. Like an enchanted tree. Yes, I picture that. It's a type of elm tree, and it's called a witch elm. That's a, a type of tree. Mm-hmm. Is that Some, like a real thing? Can I Google it? It is a real thing. Don't Google it right now, please. I won't, but I'm going to write it down. Because you did this last time. Well, by accident, because I just got so excited, then I realized what we were doing, <laughs> and I would have ruined it. <laughs> Squirrel. So okay, go. that's the type of tree it is. The boys are thinking, man, we could find some awesome bird nests in there. So they decide to climb the tree and search around, right? Sure, why not? And I do picture a forest, a wood, wooded area with this creepy... Like you said, enchanted yeah. tree, and I keep wiggling my fingers mm-hmm. as the branches. So one of the boys named Robert decides to go for it. He climbs a tree and notices a hollow down in through mm-hmm. the trunk of the tree. Like the what, the fudge people that make the cookies. Uh. Elves, <laughs> like the elf tree. Oh, yeah. That's what exactly like that. Okay. So they're not in this story, though, unfortunately. Mm. I couldn't get them. So he climbs a tree. <clears throat> he notices a hollow down through the trunk. And upon looking down into the hollow, do you think he finds a bird's nest like he was hoping no, for? something else. What do you think he finds? A troll. Poor little Bob does not find a troll. He finds a skull. Okay, well, okay. Bob thinks, damn, an animal skull. This is cool. His friends pass him up sticks to use to, like, fish it out of the hollow, right? Okay. And he's fishing out this skull. When he pulls it out... He then notices quickly that the skull has teeth and hair. <gasps> dun, 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 as all skulls do. He realizes this is the skull of a human. Bob kind of freaks out, replaces the skull back inside the hollow, gathers his buddies, and pieces out. Uh-huh. Bye. We're out. So they weren't allowed to technically be on this land. So they don't want to get in trouble for trespassing, these boys. It it was private property. They do go and get one of the boy's older brothers, and he pretty much has the same reaction. Mm -hmm. They bring him, like a teenage brother, and older brother, like, look at what we found. So he goes up there. He finds the skull. He puts it back, and he is like, nope, uh uh-uh. I don't want anything to do with this. Fresh is the hair. So some remaining teeth and scraggly brown hair. Okay. Okay, not a full head of hair, not like you. And when I decapitated you, not like that. You're so weird. I know. The boys make a pact. We're not telling anyone. We were never here. Pretend it never happened. Do you think they stick to their pact? No. Somebody, that's like when somebody tells me don't say something, who do I tell first? Uh, You. (laughs) One of the boys couldn't keep it a secret. So little Tommy tells his parents that very night and they call the police. Stupid Tommy. No, yeah. Rightfully so, though. If it were me, I would also call a priest to do an exorcism because I touched the skull. Mm. It would freak me out. Just to be safe, because you touch the skull of a dead person with teeth and hair. Okay. But that's probably what they like, or some sort of ritual. Like so it was a ritual. A ritual, a ritual decapitation. Yes. The that's... next morning, the police go out to investigate what this group of boys reported. 
They climb up the tree themselves, look down into, inside the trunk, and there it is, a human skull looking right back up at them. It doesn't take long for the police to see that there is much more than a human skull inside the hollow of this tree. Okay, but is there still skin on there? Because is your, your hair... There's not really skin anymore, no. It's no eyeballs, no lips, none of that. But your hair is not attached to your skull. It's attached in parts still. Okay. It's still there. Okay. Okay. All right. They then discover that there will only be one way to access everything inside the tree. They know there's more stuff in there, the cops, but they can't get it out. They realize they need to bust it open. Using an axe, police open up the tree and find a myriad of things. Hmm. What do you think they find? More body parts. <laughs> a weapon. Okay. Critters eating. Oh. I know. I watched that 1922 part. And that, like her mouth moved. And oh. he had that moment. And then. Uh. Oh, that movie, 1922. That was uh, <clears throat> from our episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> He's supposed to say that first. Well, okay. Um, well, here's what they find. A single blue shoe. Like like the shoe you find on the side of the road. Sometimes? A single blue shoe. Okay. A gold wedding band. Ooh. Some clothing fragments, and an almost complete human skeleton. The skeleton is mostly vertical inside the tree, as if it were standing up. Oh, we both. <laughs> I know Joanna and I both like sat up straight, no slouching, or rather as if the person had been forced feet first from the top of the tree and down into the hollow of the trunk. How far from the hole were they? At the top? Yeah. The skull was close enough to the top that that Robert could use sticks to fish it out. So maybe, I don't know, not very far, a foot down from the top of the tree? I have so many questions. I know. The skeleton is mostly vertical, as I said, and this body has been there for a very long time because as they see, there is little to no flesh left on it. Mm -hmm. So that answers your one question. And it is so entangled with the tree at this point, the body, the bones are, as if it were a part of it. Ooh. Okay. Who would do something like this? Well, if it has a wedding ring, it's going to be either the wife or the husband. Well, I don't know. But that's always the quote, right? The husband yeah. always did it. All right. So who would do something like this and why? And In 1943. What? Exactly. What do you think is at the top of the police department's to-do list right now when they discover this? Find who was? Yeah. They want to identify the body. I know I'm asking you a lot of questions, but that's okay. <laughs> they want to know who this is. So the remains are sent to a laboratory and are examined by Dr. Webster. Dr. Webster is extremely well known, by the way, and is labeled as one of the most brilliant pathologists in Britain at the time. I forgot we're in England. We are, yes. And a pathologist is a medical doctor who is specifically trained in examining bodies, body tissue. They examine lab tests. They aid other physicians in reaching diagnosis when needed. Pathologist, okay? After studying the remains of all that is found... Dr. Webster is able to determine a few things based on what he was sent, and it being the year 1943, Mm -hmm. right? He can say that the body belongs to a female who would have been around five feet tall. Oh, well, short. Very tiny. Yep. He says that the woman would have had brown hair and was probably around 35 years old when she died. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why'd you do that? I don't know, because I'm past 35. Mm, Yeah. This isn't the exact age, but it's like a smart guess. The woman also may have had a pregnancy in the past. However, that's never confirmed. That's interesting Mm -hmm. that they can 
know that. Right, determine that based on the bones. Yeah. I know. I mean, the things that they can do now. Well, could it be maybe by the shape of her hips or something that they found? I don't exactly know. I'm not a pathologist. I had a ex-boyfriend's mom say I had childbearing hips. (laughs) Childbearing hips. And I was like, the hell? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that supposed to mean? It's like 22. That's why it's your ex-boyfriend. Dr. Webster also finds fabric shoved inside the mouth of the skull. He reports that it is highly likely she was suffocated and that this was no accident. Okay. But now the question of when did she die comes up because it's 1943. How long has she been there? With her being stuffed into a tree trunk, being outside in the woods with animals around and varying Mm -hmm. temperatures, it makes it very difficult to determine a time of death. So Dr. Webster is forced to go with a time frame. Mm -hmm. Dr. Webster uses the remaining clothing pieces and tries to put them together to get a picture of what she would have been wearing. Like, is she from this area? Is she chic? Is she rich? Is she poor? Right? Once laid out and in order, it looks like she was wearing a cloth skirt with a slip underneath and knickers, England. Yes. Knickers. And a top with like a thin cardigan, which matched the fashion at the time. Okay. The coloring matched, the clothing matched. Being that the clothing was more thin, he decides that she must have died during the summer months. So using his expertise, the doctor the doctor says that she had to most likely have died around the summer of 1941. Oh. Stating she would have been in that tree at least a year and a half. But he also says it could have been closer to three years. Mm-hmm. It's not an exact science. So even nowadays, it's still hard to predict that kind of stuff. So from a year and a half to three years, that's how long she's been in there. Then the doctor goes on to explain a few things about her death that are important to the investigation. He rules out suicide, saying there's no way she could have climbed that tree and gotten into the hollow by herself. Maybe she saw something and was like, and then followed it and then had to go feet first and was like, I'll be able to get out, shimmy out. But it wouldn't be possible because the way she was shoved in there, you couldn't do it by yourself. Mm. You couldn't get yourself down in there. He then rules out an accident. Again, no way she could have, like, climbed up there and just gotten stuck. And here I am thinking, like, those little boys climbed up yeah. there. So what the fuck, doctor? Like, why can the boys climb up there and not? It's just sexist. Maybe she dropped something. Maybe 1940s. somebody threw something. And then she. She's like, I got it. Well, an accident is ruled out, though, because she just, it couldn't have happened. She couldn't have accidentally fallen through. It was such a tight squeeze. And, and I'll maybe, give you the dimensions later. Maybe the person who she was with, she shimmied down to go get it and got stuck. And so he went to go get somebody and he got killed. Oh, I'm making up my own movie. You're yeah. making up your own <laughs> plot. I like it. Um, okay. But I guess he means once she was up there, no way she could have accidentally fallen into the hollow of the tree. Like you didn't accidentally fall in. It was such a tight squeeze. Also, she had been wedged in the tree as a limp body. And that was determined by her skeleton. How'd they know that? By the way her body was, it like the way her bones were, you could she, tell that she wasn't stiff. Like she wasn't trying to get out. Right. Like she Nothing was already like dead. That. You think she's already dead? This is, let me continue. So this is obvious by how her skeleton had been found. She wasn't put in stiff, so not during rigor mortis. So oh. Dr. Webster says, this is a murder. And then he screams out, live, laugh, murder. Oh, he did <laughs> Yes, he did. It's in the reports. So one more important detail from the doctor. In 1943. Because we're trying to find out who this woman is. So after inspecting her teeth or her, stop laughing, 
or the remaining teeth that are left in the skull. Okay. He notices a very prominent detail. You know when you meet someone and you see their smile? Mm-hmm. If your teeth are jacked, people will notice and they're going to remember that. Oh, yeah. No offense. No, do you remember my friend? She's got messed up teeth. Yeah, I know who that it is. That girl, yeah. It sticks out in your brain. So what is different about her teeth is that the top front two teeth overlap each other almost. Ooh. Yeah, like well, it's bad. So it's very obvious and noticeable. So much so that friends and family would have definitely been definitely been able to pick up like mm-hmm. as a feature of her. She also has a molar missing that looked like it was removed professionally. Okay. So she has seen a dentist in the past, which as you may know, is huge mm-hmm. in identifying people. Dental records. They have been used for so long and they're still used today to identify people. So the detectives run with this and start investigating all throughout England, England trying to see if any dentist has records that match this description. And nothing turns up. Now, detectives are forced to think, maybe she's not from England. Mm. Maybe her dentist didn't keep accurate records. Maybe we're in the middle of World War II and there are bombings all willy-nilly. And who knows? Lots of what-ifs. Lots of what-ifs. The detectives then start searching missing persons reports to see if anyone following her description has been reported. Nothing. No family, no friends come forward. The identity of the woman found in the tree is a complete and utter mystery. Jane Doe, that's what they call her. Jane Doe. I wonder if they use Jane Doe, first of all, overseas, and second of all, in the 1940s. I'm going to write that down in my notes, and we'll look it up later. You do that. So let's go back to the day the body was found in the tree. The investigators did search around the area around the witch elm and did find some strange items that may or may not be related. So let's let's see what they found in the woods. They found the bones of her right hand <gasps> a little away from the tree. Did they what? not realize she didn't have her right hand? Yeah, they did. And they found the bones of her right hand near the tree in the woods. Was it cut off and placed there? <laughs> Joanna's like, oh. Was it moved due to animal, animal interference? Animal interference? We don't know. Nobody knows how the hand got there. They also find a size five and a half blue shoe. You said that at the beginning, I outside remember. Outside the tree. So one inside and one yes, outside? one inside, one outside. Size five? That's little. Does that make sense? But she's so five she's foot little. tall. The other having been found in the tree with the body, like you said. Again, was it moved by animals? Was the shoe placed there or dropped there by a murderer? As she was being shoved. As she was being dragged and shoved. You have theories. No, I'm just, if she's, I'm wondering if she was already was dead before her body was shoved. So I kind of skipped over this. Rigor mortis takes a couple hours to set in after you're killed. Yeah. So either she was put in, and I'm going to talk about this more in a little bit, but either she was put in slightly dead freshly dead mm-hmm. or and then rigor mortis does wear off it does over time but then at that point her body's decomposing oh. so who's gonna handle a decomposing body well I'm, okay okay so let's go back to what was found around the tree okay the detectives use that shoe and try to track down the manufacturer they do end up tracking it down they find out it was most likely sold at a market in early 1940 okay. and what's more interesting is that the shoes were worn down like she used them a lot but they were also fairly expensive shoes so picture this as a woman you get expensive shoes but then you have to wear them every day like they're really worn out yeah maybe you just want to get your money's worth and wear them i know i had that same thought too one final thing found in the woods near the witch elm was a woman's id card oh gosh and that's when you're like boom we got her yeah i can just imagine the officer finding it and being excited like huh here she is look what i found we found our victim no, 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 it's not that easy. They end up going to the address associated with the name on the ID card. And to their surprise, they find a live woman being the owner of the ID card at that home, standing before them in the flesh. 
she's alive. And the owner of this ID claims that she has no clue how her ID wound up in the woods called Hagley Wood, saying she has never been in those woods in her life and she's never met a woman matching the description of the body. Do you believe her? I mean, do you remember that story with the one, I don't want to, if you want me to say her name or not, but a lady I used to work with, her uh-huh. phone was found on a murder scene. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. She lost her phone at Publix. Yes. They, they took the phone and then the, her phone was found at a murder scene. Oh my gosh. And she's so? like, I, and thankfully, you know, she she didn't do it. Yeah. That's wild. <clears throat> so same, same, same. Same, same, but different. Same exact story. Yep. So now let's move to the end of the year. Well, wait around. a second. Sorry. Did the lady claim like, oh yeah, I've lost my ID or was she just like. She recognized that she lost it, but she said she'd never been there. Okay. She doesn't know how it got there. Okay. Sorry. Go. I'm interrupted. If you hear Lola, Lola, come here. It's okay. She wants to get on the bed. She does. The stuff's in her way. (sighs) Look at her. Lola's staring at us. So now let's move to the end of the year around Christmas 1943. Okay. There is still a war in the background. Still bombings happening. People have forgotten about the body found in the witch elm at this point. But upon everyone's surprise, strange messages start appearing around the town. These messages being written on things like fences, sides of tunnels, and sides of buildings. The first message was found written largely in chalk on a wall of the town. The message being, who put Lubella down the witch elm? Ooh. And the witch elm is a specific tree. Yeah. And it's how many people are found in trees these days, those days. Lubella? Lubella. Then another message in another location in town that says, Annabella died in Hagley Wood. That's all it said. Annabella. Annabella died in Hagley Wood. Then another that culminates this entire mystery. And there's a couple more, but I went with the important ones. The final messages scrawled around the town state, who put Bella in the witch elm? So the common is uh, the Bella. The Bella part, yes. Who put Bella in the witch elm? With three variations of a name, all relating to a similar idea of someone knowing who was found in that tree. Now, almost a year after the body was found, police start analyzing the messages and what they find due to handwriting and types of messages, they decide it's the same person writing all Mm -hmm. of these, all using the same chalk, same handwriting, but why would they do this and why aren't they coming forward to the police? Each time a message is found, it's very ominous and kind of frustrating for everyone involved. So the police blast on their social media Asking, social, have asking the author of these messages to come out. I mean the radio. And talk to them. No, it's the newspaper. TV. I think it's funnier to think that they're on their Facebook, but <laughs> it was they put it in the newspaper and nobody comes forward. They also use the names written to investigate. Like, is there a Lubella that went missing? An Annabella? A Bella? Nothing. They have no clue. Maybe it's the killer taunting them. That's what I think too. Oh. They don't even know if her name was Bella, Lubella, or Annabella. They don't know. So now this sparked the town's folks' interest again. So now the town had kind of died down, yeah. and now they're into it again. They've all seen these messages, and they're invested. They whisper in bars and taverns. They speak to their friends, and they, too, want to know what's going on. And this does get the investigation rolling again. Mm. Now, I want to tell you something about the woods where this body was found. Do you remember the name of the woods? You said Haggerty. Yeah, Hagley Wood. Hagley. Hagley Wood. It's not a normal place. No. It's not your typical woods to go frolic in and take selfies. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to make it into like now. I know because it is. I can't imagine life, you know, 80 years ago. 80 years ago? Anyway, let's let's keep it going. Uh, Yeah, we're not going on a hike. We're not going to picnic with our lovers. No. 
Was it like a fog, like a forever fog? That's what I picture, right? <laughs> These woods are deeply associated with people around the town saying it is a location where pagan sacrifices <gasps> have taken place, where black magic is practiced, and where witchcraft occurs. Would you go camping in these woods? No. I bet a lot of our listeners would be like, hells yeah, let's go. Okay, a short time later, a special day happens in England that is far more important than the witches or a body found in a tree. Germany surrenders and World War II ends. So this, of course, brings the soldiers home. Yes. Okay, that's an important part. One in particular named Warwick, Warwick Plant. Okay. This man. He notices when he comes home back to his hometown, the message is scribbled around the town and he's curious, like, what the fuck? He hears about the woman in the tree and learns the details that I've pretty much mentioned so far. This young military man then recalls a story. Now let's go back. He's home from the war. Mm-hmm. Now he's young 20s. Mm-hmm. Now this is what he remembers. This is Warwick's memory. Okay. Warwick, about six years prior, so maybe like a late teen, before mm-hmm. the war. Working at his parents' pub, he recalls that one day a woman he described as short came into the pub stating her name was Bella. What? Apparently, she entered the pub and asked if she could sing to try and make some money. You know, like live music. Sure. Warwick's parents agree, and his mother actually makes friends with Bella. Warwick even recalls in his memories that his mom ended up giving Bella a pair of blue shoes one time Uh. as like a gift. Tricky, tricky. One day, Bella showed up to the pub with a black eye and bruises. And she said that her landlord had beaten her up. (gasps) Oh, maybe Mm. she didn't pay. And then a short time later, she stopped showing up at all. She doesn't go for a visit to visit his mom. She doesn't show up for her gigs. And Bella vanished. So is that the woman in the witch house? Yes, 100%. So, Joanna, this is your time to shine. Is this the plot of a creepy movie? Or a true crime case. I will say this one is a lot lighter. You are You're right. You're welcome. You're welcome. We're not crying today. No, and because we didn't really get to know the woman. Like, mm-hmm. and most of them, you're like, we know the woman. Right. And then we know how she died, and we know the murderers. And that makes it really scary. Yes. And sad. I kind of want this to be a movie, because I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, I can look it up. I love that. Okay, I'm just going to go with the movie. Okay. Um, well... This is truth. Oh, oh, damn it. This is a true crime case, and I have a lot more to tell you. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, don't be defeated. No, I'm just because, I, I mean, movies are a lot. It's, you want to watch it? Yeah. Well, on. if we have any movie makers out there, make this into a quick movie <laughs> within the next week or so. And Joanna doesn't like long movies, so keep it at 1.30 or less. Oh, gosh. Thir- an, an hour, hour 30 or less. Okay, make it a mini series of like 20 it- minute episodes. Like, really good. Use that Jennifer, what's her name from the office? Jennifer <laughs> Fisher, Flesher. And put the infinite fog everywhere. Put her in it. She could be the, the, I don't know. Okay, go. All right, so I got a lot more details for you and some theories for you. You know we like a story with a little, little conspiracy. <sighs> the tree. The opening of the tree was only about 24 by 12 inches. Like the size like of a, a small cage. So an yes. oval? Like, rec- yeah, because it's a tree. The woman was very small, and it later came out that she could have even been four foot nine. She was small. Oh, I was thinking that's only one inch, but I forget 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, that is only one inch. Four foot nine to five foot. Please stop. Please 
please edit that out. 10, 11, 12, three inches. (laughs) (laughs) I do math. Okay, remember I mentioned that her teeth were very distinguishing? Newspapers, when trying to identify her, published photos of the teeth, trying to find someone who could recognize her. And that's how noticeable it was and nothing. Bella's body, and in the story, it's this is a, a well-known story, and she's just call, commonly referred to as Bella. So that's what I'm going to call her. It's well-known, except to me. Except to, exactly. Um, to the true crime community, yes, it is well-known. Everyone's probably like, you hey, idiot. Besties. No, I know. They're like yelling through <laughs> yes. their car, like, ah, through their iPod. Like, like the second you probably I said, said iPod. <laughs> You said it. Sorry. They're yelling at their iPods. Anyway, I bet when you said which elm, they're immediately like, I Immediately, know it yes. All right, so we're going to call her Bella. Okay. So her body would have been moved while limp, which I already said. So either right after death or maybe even still partially alive. This is because it had to be before rigor mortis kicked in, as we talked about, which can happen about two hours after death. And that's a loose time as temperature and nature elements affect mm-hmm. rigor. The other thought is she could have been stuffed in the tree well after rigor wore off. But at this point, she would have been decomposing. And I mentioned this before, who is going to handle a decomposing, disgusting body? Okay, well, maybe maybe that's why the hand fell off. Oh, Maybe gosh. her hand fell off. All right. Remember the shoes? Yes. So the sizes I gave you, I think, are European sizes mm-hmm. of the shoes. And the reason I mentioned that is it's debated whether or not those were even her shoes because they would have been too big for her feet because of how short she was. I have a friend that's short and she's got bigger feet than me and you. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a size 10 shoe. She's a size 10 and I'm she's... five foot nine. Yeah, she's like five, 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 four. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yes. you know what, Bella? I'm sorry for, for you know... I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe those were your feet. Maybe those were your shoes. Okay. Um, It's an odd detail, but it is mentioned a lot if you look into this. That is something that comes up. Now, I want to share a promising story that came out 10 years after Bella was found in the Witch Elm. 10 years. But this sounds like the most realistic thing that could be the truth. In 1953, a journalist named Wilfred Jones. And there's that name, Wilfred. Wealth. Wealth from 1922 from our episode. Um. A farm novella, hashtag. In 1953, Wilfred Jones looked into this case for a column in the paper. It fascinated him. I mean, this is 10 years later, but mm-hmm. he was so curious about it. He went back and re-questioned those who lived in the town, but no one really offered any more information about Bella. He even went to the boys who found her body, yeah. who are like grown up now. Yeah. But they didn't have anything really to tell him either. They didn't know much. He then published an ad asking for any information in exchange for money. Oh. That's going to get people. He got a ton of responses. Well, of course. Uh-huh, but only one seemed realistic. Someone wrote in a letter stating that the real culprit never will never come forward because the real murderer died after going insane in 1942. What? It was a very short letter from a woman named Anna. No last name, no address, no want for money. Well, yeah, because then you have to be in person to get the money. Right? They're not going to question you. Wilfred was like, dude, no, like, no. So he placed another ad begging Anna to come forward, and she did. Oh. Her real name was not Anna. It was Una. Una Mossop. Una stated that, stated this story to Wilfred. So here's what Una said. She decided to come forward 10 years later. Let's put this to rest. She claimed that her ex-husband named Jack Mossop 
had confessed to her while he was alive Mm -hmm. that he and a friend had met for a drink one night at a pub in Hagley, the town. Supposedly, later that night, he and his buddy, who they call Von Rolt, were out with Von Rolt's girlfriend. Von Rolt having been a spy during the war. Oh. Right? After leaving the pub, the three went for a drive, and Von Rolt and his girlfriend began, like, drunkenly arguing. Mm. And he attacked her in the car. So, apparently, he pulled into the woods and made Jack help him dispose of her body into the tree. Jack fell ill after this strange night and was haunted by visions of the woman Von Rolt killed. Jack Mosop was later confined to Stafford Mental Hospital eventually and died in the hospital before the body in the witch elm was ever found. Hmm. This sounds plausible. Mm-hmm. Like he was haunted by the fact that he helped murder a woman and he went insane. Yeah. That was his, uh, the woman's ex? <clears throat> the, so yeah, yeah. That was Jack Mosop's, the one who, man who went insane. His wife came forward 10 years later saying, my husband told me this story. I think this is the woman you're looking for. But what about the guy that actually did the killing? Who knows? We don't, they could, they could never track him down. <sighs> Police did investigate this and found no evidence of Von Rolt's existence, but it was during a war. So who really knows? Mm-hmm. Is any of this true? Maybe Bella was a foreigner dating a Nazi spy, which is why no one reported her missing. Maybe she was a spy herself. That's another theory. Now about all the chalk messages around the town. Back to Una. Una reported even though she came out 10 years later, that she didn't leave those messages and stating that no one else but her husband knew about them hiding that body in the tree. So where did those messages come from? The ex- I bet the guy that killed her. And she never knew the woman's name as even being Bella or her name at all. Her husband, Jack, never told her the name. He just confessed that he did this terrible thing. And that's what drove him mad. I bet the guy that killed her. In 2005, the case was officially closed. 2005. <laughs> After such time had passed and the remains, when they went to close the case, the remains of Bella's body and the case files are missing. Mm. Everything's gone. The police records, the crime scene records, her skeleton, her skull, her jacked up teeth, gone. Interesting. Curious. Now let's get into some theories. Let's uh, wrap this up with a few theories of what people think about Bella in the Witch Elm. Okay? Yes. People were convinced Bella was a Nazi spy who parachuted in the night, landed in the tree, got stuck, and died. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> but there was no parachute found, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> if she was a foreign spy, then it would make sense that no one reported her missing. However, the logistics don't fit. Mm-mm. She parachuted and just... In, a, oh, in her dress, oh, in her oh, skirt. Oh, I'm parachuting down. Oh, I'm going to land. I'm going to land. Oh, my foot got stuck in the tree. And it sucked her in. <laughs> no. All right. Next one. Bella was, this is the next theory, people believed that Bella could have been a Romani traveler who committed a crime against her people who then buried her in the tree as a ritual execution. Now, the Romanis were like a type of what we would call gypsies living in in Europe, okay? She had a wedding band, too, you said. She did. That was found. But this theory was driven by racial prejudice at the time Mm. against the Romani people. Mm. Plus her clothes didn't match their style and there's no record of them burying people in trees as rituals. That's not a thing. And to clarify, Romani people are those, like I said, that would have been called gypsies in America and police did investigate this theory, but it was all a wash. Yeah. It was bull. Third out of four theories. Okay. Three out of four. Bella, and this one's actually quite plausible. 
could have been a sex worker who worked in Hagley Wood. And guess what? There was a missing person report of a woman who worked as a sex worker named Bella. Hmm. That did exist, but the police report of that woman is very lacking. Very few identifying features and a very limited search, if any, were conducted based on that report. I mean, unfortunately, sex workers then and sadly now too aren't looked into as much or weren't mm-hmm. then. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, that sucks. That's a human. Mm-hmm. That's someone's daughter or sister or friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They still deserved respect. And this is highly thought to be the case of Bella. Last theory. One final one. Bella was a witch. What do you think? Okay. Aliens and witches, baby. I, I would like to know their reasoning why they thought she was a witch. Um, let me tell you. There were rumors at the time that witches used this site, Hagley Wood, right, to conduct rituals. In 1945, so two years after she was found, a professor named Margaret Murray looked into the case. This professor at the time was 82 years old and was a very respected archaeologist and historian. Mm-hmm. Okay. She also studied witchcraft and the history of the occult in England. She believed a coven of witches had remained undetected for years and years and resided in England. She believed they were conducting pagan rituals intended to cause supernatural results. Like they were trying to cause supernatural results. And this was very dangerous and very illegal. So Bella in the witch elm caught her eye along with her research. She claimed that there was such a ritual that existed during medieval times that involved burying a witch in a tree to trap her spirit inside the tree. Wow. <laughs> the it's professor very specific. I know. The professor also was curious about the fact that her right hand was found yeah. separated. She claimed that this would have been evidence of witches trying to make what's called a hand of glory. What? Which is like a torch using the hand and strands of hair that when lit will open the gates to black magic. What? And this would mean Bella would have been a criminal and was executed. Wow. That's the last theory. It's impressive. Which do you believe? Not the parachute one. No. I mean, the sex worker could make sense, but I feel like you said she had a baby. That... There, she could have had a pregnancy at one point not a baby but a pregnancy so that could be a theory i would mm-hmm. kind of we could there's so many ways this could go and that's why it's such a big story still today all this time later interesting my last note for you yes. in 2022 the notes are still written there today you could still see the notes that's on the walls that's pretty cool isn't that awesome yeah and that's it. Um, wait, real quick. What? Your cuss count was extremely low. Was it? Four. Four? Yes. Oh, I'm growing and maturing. <laughs> you went from like 30 to four. <laughs> I think I cuss just as much as you. I think it's because Lola's in here, the dog. Oh, you want like Subconsciously not cussing in front of Lola. Lola, she's I love sleeping. you. She's sleeping on the bed right now. Who put Bella in the witch elm? We'll never know. Oh, when you said I'm Bella, talk- I thought Lola. Lola, I'm talking to Bella. Bella, who put you there? Oh. How'd you get there? How did you How did you get in there? And why? And why would they shove you in there like that? See, I don't like these unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Did you ever watch that show as a kid, Unsolved Mysteries? I still watch it. It's on Netflix. I don't. Because it makes me angry because I need to know. I only like the ones that give you the update at the end. <laughs> They need to say that. They need to say that per episode. Like, this one has an update. This one has a a solved mystery. Well, Live, Laugh, Murder, episode 10. 10. Wow. Who put Bella in the Witch Elm? Unsolved mystery. It's a nightmare on Witch Elm Street. Cute. 
cute. All right, guys. If you're still here after all of that, <laughs> uh, reach out to us. Find us on Instagram. Joanna, what's our Instagram? Live, laugh, murder podcast. Or email us to our Gmail. What's our Gmail? Same thing. No, it's not. Oh. What is it? Live, laugh, murder. Pod. Pod. At gmail.com. Find us on Patreon. Live, laugh, murder podcast. And rate and review. We love you guys. You guys are awesome. Bye. Thanks for joining for our 10th episode. Joanna, say bye. Bye. Lola, it's okay. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. Come on.